I have not even been handed an outline for this show. These two rogue gentlemen have taken over and they've convinced me that by the end of this show, and you have to listen to the very end, that Our Lady of Guadalupe will be revealed to you as the most spectacular, miraculous, and amazing image of all time. There are things in this show that I don't even know about. So let's get started. Living the Faith Podcast. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com Joe is literally shaking right now. He is shaking. He's shaking. (laughs) I, I, I went upstairs. I was doing some things and... I came down and Joe was like, you have no idea what's about to happen here. You he literally, like, you have no idea. He was like a puppy. <laughs> he was like a puppy. Oh, hey, Martin. Hello, sir. How are you? Very good. Okay, so quick intro- introduction to Martin. Yes, sir. All right, so you out there in Facebook land, YouTube land, you saw Martin. You saw him already. We talked a little bit, but we didn't really introduce him. Can we just take two seconds? I, only because I know it's tantalizing we, to you. Yes, yes. Joseph. Yes. So we threw Martin at you on the last time you saw us. But now, who are you? Well, my name is Martin, and I'm originally from Belgium. Is that why you talk funny? That is why I talk funny for well, <laughs> one of the many reasons why. Yeah. It, it, Belgians have like a tendency to stay away from the microphone, too. We do? Okay. Oh, yeah, oh, scoot oh. in. Scoot in. Get comfortable. Yes, sir. Martin is a brand new member of the RTF team. He's a regular contributor here on the show now, and uh, you will see his name in some incredible content that is coming soon to the Restoring the Faith website, which Welcome. will be going live soon. All right, guys. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Our Lady of Guadalupe. Okay. Let me see if I can get the words out. Well, I've, I don't think... This, this is a historic moment here. Okay. just want to point out... That I'm the best dressed man in this room. Okay, very important. Ah. Well, let's use Thomistic reasoning, Thomistic syllogism. You have nothing tweed on, though. Well, that could be the, that could be the case, but I'm telling you, from a Thomistic perspective here, man with a tie are better dressed than people without a tie. I'm the only one in this room with a tie, therefore I'm the best dressed man in this room. What if you were well, just what? wearing a tie? Uh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Never considered that, but I'm not too sure why I would do that. I'm going to ask a very not a Thomistic question and be like, "Are you really wearing a tie?" Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> how do you How do you know you're wearing a tie? <laughs> Guys, we're talking about Our Lady of Guadalupe. I yes. love her. Now, in case you're not aware, we did a show about Our Lady of Guadalupe already. In fact, it was episode number one zero zero one. It is the very first episode in Podcastville, and it is the very first video. Well, it's actually not the first one on our YouTube channel because it was uploaded later after we went live with video. But if yeah. you search on our channel, Restoring the Faith Media, no, it's it's still it's still number one. Oh, is it number one? Yeah, it's still number one. Oh, it's it's okay. I gotta tell you, you don't ever have to go back and watch that one though. Oh, you're just throwing <laughs> that one out. The baby with the bathwater. <clears throat> so we've already covered this topic though, and we really thought we did a bang up job. But Joe, as you can see, scurrility has set in. He is literally shaking. He cannot even focus right now and so the longer we draw this out the better for me the worse for him all right do you want us to kick us off with a story yes so many people do know the story of our lady of guadalupe but there's a surprising amount of people who don't know the story of our lady of guadalupe or get the story of our lady of guadalupe wrong um so 
Our Lady of Guadalupe first introduced herself uh, on Tepeyac Hill in Mexico in 1531. Um, she is an old man. He's 57 years old, traveling, and he passes through this hill, which you know was outside of Mexico City or was called Tenochtitlan originally. That was what the Aztecs mm-hmm. called it. And... Um, of course, now Mexico City is so big that it's taken over this hill, even though it was miles and miles and miles and miles away from Tenochtitlan. Um, so she appeared to him and asked him to go to the bishop to uh, tell him that he needed to build a church where she said, I will show and offer all of my love, my compassion, my help, and my protection to my people. She appears as an Aztec princess. Mm-hmm. She also looks like something else, which is also interesting, but we'll cover that later. Um, Cliffhanger. So, yeah. Well, just it, they, it comes later on in the show. You have to stick with us. We're going to get to the point. <laughs> yes. This will not be a two-hour show. No. We, we are going to get there, yes. but you have to watch all the way. So he went to the palace of the bishop, who was the first bishop of Mexico, uh, uh, Fray Juan de Zumaraga. First bishop of Mexico, and he requ- requested that he meet with the bishop immediately. And the servants kept him outside. They're like, "Who's this Aztec Indian? You know, uh, just wait in the courtyard." And so he waits and waits and waits. And finally, um, the bishop yeah, he sees a bishop, and he tells the bishop, and he's very excited and whatnot. There's this crazy old man, fifty-seven years old. Uh, I, uh, Our Lady appeared to me, and she is asking you to build a church and he's like I'll consider it. Now, we did- I can see why he would say that though. Yes, no. Imagine like you're the very first bishop of a brand new part of the world that's not even discovered right. really by all the European powers yet and I I can see why bishop Zumaranga would hesitate. He's like, "Okay, come on. I'm a brand new bishop. You want me to write to Rome and say, "Hey, I need, you know, a million Pounds or whatever. Okay, so, yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know what they're yeah, using. Yeah, I don't know what they were using. I need gold coins. Yes. Right? Gold. Back when they were on the gold standard. Yes. You know, before right, that exactly. was all ruined. Um, so he ret- he was very forlorn, and he returns to Our Lady. And, uh, and, and incidentally, we mentioned in the Immaculate Conception show where he was on his way to. Oh, so he was on his way to... Mass is that is that right? Yes, for for December eighth. Oh, for the, yeah, uh, he, well, December December ninth. In this in that case, it was oh, December ninth. But it was he was on the way to the uh, the mass of the Conception of Our Lady before she mm-hmm. was proclaimed the Immaculate Conception. Anyway, so he returns to the hill and he's very dejected and uh, asked. He's very humiliated. He's just spoken to the Bishop of Mexico. He's just a lowly Indian. He's very humiliated and please. Please send somebody else. And so she responds. She says, my little son, there are many I could send, but you are the one I have chosen. That's beautiful. Yeah. And and Our Lady does this. She has a recurring theme of this to pick the lowliest of the low mm-hmm. to present these things for her. Um, and so she asked him to return to the bishop the next day, and the bishop uh, responded that he's going to need a sign. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. I'm going to need to know if our lady is really asking and she's appearing to you, she can show me a sign. 
Um, and, and, and it's, it's said that he was a very holy bishop. So it wasn't some irrational thing that he was saying, but again, like you were referencing, this is just extraordinary. So, uh, he returned back to her and she said, my little son, am I not your mother? Do not fear. The bishop shall have his sign. Come back to this place tomorrow. Only in peace, my little son. So he returned home after receiving this, uh, this message from our lady intending to go talk to the bishop and his sick uncle, his sickly uncle, is now mortally um, sick. I mean, he's, he's at death's door. And on the second day, he says, please go get a priest. I, I need a priest. I'm dying. And he's ignored Our Lady and stayed with his sick uncle. And he's very conflicted. And now he's really scared because he has to go pat over Tebeak Hill where Our Lady is, to get the priest. the priest, She's in between him and the priest. Well, by the way, it, if you look at it from a, from a certain perspective, it's truly beautiful that he must have had so much charity and Christian love for his, his uncle mm. that he is willing to actually, you know, not go to an apparition of Our Lady that he knows that will happen to make sure that his uncle dies with the sacraments. That is, that is extraordinarily beautiful. Right. Little scary. Didn't have any context as absolutely as, as 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 an Aztec goes. He you know he's he's a newer convert, right? So he doesn't have you know history uh, to build mm-hmm. upon to know that hey, our lady's talking to you. You don't you don't uh, you don't mess around. Mess and around. it's not an easy thing for him to do either to try to contract a priest when he has to walk on foot. I believe it was ten miles just to get yeah. to mm-hmm. the yes. to mass. Right. So for him to go and then convince a priest, hey, walk with me round trip twenty miles right. because my uncle's. Dying. Right, mm-hmm. right. So um, he decides that he's going to outfox Our Lady and uh, go around the hill. And, of course, Our Lady shows up and waylays him. Mm-hmm. And uh, she uh, asks him, where, where are you going? And she says, do not be distressed. She says, He says, my, my uncle's sick and he's dying and I need to get, to get him a priest. And she says, do not be distressed, my little son. I am not, am I not here with you who am your mother? Are you not under my shadow and protection? Your uncle will not die at this time. There is no reason for you to engage a priest for his health is restored at this moment. He is quite well. Go up the hill where you were supposed to go in the first place and go uh, cut the flowers that are growing there and bring them to me. So it's an interesting thing about Tepeyac Hill, and we have some things to say about that. You have something mm-hmm. very specific to say about Tepeyac Hill later. But up on Tepeyac Hill, this is desolate place, desolate. Mm-hmm. Nothing grows there, and he gets to the top, and there are these roses. And there's something also special about the roses, but he cuts them. He doesn't really, you know. Well, that would have been pretty ex- extraordinary. It, was it would. Bit- in the middle of winter, yes. the only thing that grows there is thistles and cacti. Right. So this is what he's impressed by, right? Right. Exactly. He, he, so, I mean, there are, there are so many beautiful little nuggets of of faith. Is that he just goes? There's no question about it. He just does it. So. That's absolutely right. So, by the, way, I, by the way, actually, something I just just realized: a lady asked him, "Where are you going?" It. Covaris. Uvaris, exactly. It made me think, actually, of our Lord confronting of St. Peter. Like, you know, you're not going where you should be going. Mm. And she's calling him to, you know, to focus. Focus on God and mm-hmm. on the faith. Or mm-hmm. even like in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Right. God Almighty is asking them, hey, where are you? 
They're mm-hmm. trying to hide from him. They mm-hmm. think they can hide from him. Yeah. They thought it was a good idea Serious. back then. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't work then. Doesn't work for our lady either. <laughs> hasn't, hasn't changed. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he's surprised by these roses, but he dutifully cuts them and brings them down to her. And the most interesting thing that I've always thought about this story is the fact that our lady arranges them in the Toma. I, I, there's always a statement. Mm-hmm. There's always that statement in every story. She arranges the flowers inside the tilma that he's holding. So he's he's wearing this cact this fabric that's made out of cactus fiber. It's like the roughest material known to man. I mean, I mean, like just this poncho type thing that's made out of literal cactus fibers. It's extremely rough fabric, and so she starts arranging the flowers. In the tilma, while he's holding and, and tells him to hold them up, and she um, then s- says, "My little son, this is the sign I am sending to the bishop. Tell him that this is the sign, uh, or tell him that with this sign, I request his greatest efforts to complete the church I desire in this place. Show these flowers to no one else but the bishop. You are my trusted ambassador. This time, the bishop will believe all you tell him." So, he then goes to the bishop, and they probably let him wait again. Yes, in the right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and and a lot of a lot of the stories talk about the fact that they were trying to what What do you have in here? <laughs> oh, really? What, yeah, like trying to grab his hands, and right. he's clasped them. She's like, "Show this to nobody else. This right. is for the bishop." And he 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 won't let go, and he won't let anything come out. And so finally the bishop, there, there's a commotion, and the bishop comes out, and he says, what do you have for me? And he says, I have the sign. And he drops the tilma, and there is this beautiful image of Our Lady that we all know well. And these Castilian roses, roses that only grow in Castile. In Spain. In Spain. I heard that the bishop fell on his knees in veneration of the image and Our Lady. That is such a beautiful, beautiful gesture. Mm-hmm. So. No, just I, I, the, it shows the devotion that the Spaniards had, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this is an overwhelming miracle, and he sees this image of Our Lady, and he's just profoundly impressed by it. Mm-hmm. Now, It's I, amazing, actually, if you think about it. The bishop asked for one sign, right? And he gets two signs. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it could have been just roses growing in the middle of winter. Right. Which is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. It's Spanish roses that just don't grow in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And, and they that bishop came from Spain, so he would have known the difference. Mm-hmm. And then, ultimately, there's this beautiful image that he that he beholds as well. Right. So. Right. And, and, and it's also important. Impressive. Okay, it's the roses, the image, the fact that the image is so impressive to him. Mm-hmm. Again, which we'll cover in a little bit about what's so special about the image that he saw. Um, but he's got all these signs, and then after the the next day, after showing the the uh, tilma to the bishop at the cathedral. Um, one takes the bishop to the place where he saw Our Lady on Tepeyac. And then he returned to his village. And his uncle is alive and very well and very excited. 
And he said that he met a young woman surrounded by a soft light who told him that she had just sent his nephew to Tenochtitlan, to Mexico City, with a picture of herself. And she told his uncle, call me and call my image Santa Maria de Guadalupe. Wow. So, again, we don't have this context of, wow, the first apparition of Our Lady. So she named herself. And I think this is one of the things that sets this apparition apart, right? Mm-hmm. She names herself. We we call Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of Fatima. Mm-hmm. We call Our Lady of Lords, Our Lady of Lords. Mm-hmm. Call Our Lady of Akita, Our Lady of Akita. Right. But here, she says, call me Our Lady of Guadalupe. She mm-hmm. says it. She names herself. That's mm-hmm. interesting. That's interesting. It's a great point. It's very few times, in fact, that she does that. You're absolutely right. So if you're enjoying this content here that we are bringing to you, which we bring to you every week in almost every important feast, this is the Living the Faith show brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. We would be honored if you would subscribe to our YouTube channel, Restoring the Faith Media. You can listen to our podcast, Living the Faith. This is the Living the Faith show in Podcastville. And like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Now let's continue, Joe. All right. Martin, let's take this to the next step. Why is this so important that Our Lady is saying Santa Maria de Guadalupe? Well, it's a very, well, so, okay. There's a Guadalupe side. There's there's other interesting elements uh, that I thought you were referring to. But what most people don't necessarily realize is that Our Lady of Guadalupe, actually, there's an original um, miracle that had happened in Spain, uh, I think in Castilla itself. In Castilla, yeah. So, um, and it, the story is that there was a shepherd who suddenly uh, was told by a lady to dig something up in the ground and to call a priest. And so he gets a priest, the priest digs, and they find this statue that is believed to have been carved by Saint Luke himself. Mm-hmm. And so it is today one of the three black Madonnas of Spain, one of the, mm-hmm. considered one of the most miraculous images um, in Spain. What is also very interesting is that Christopher Columbus actually had a great devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe, and in 1493, he landed on the island of Guadalupe, which is today French territory, um, and so he named the island after Our Lady of Guadalupe. So so the bottom line is, is that our Lady of Guadalupe already had a huge devotion, actually, in Spain itself. Be, but, but before, there they, they was known to be a lost statue. It, it, it had been forgotten, right? Because mm-hmm. the the Moors invaded Seville and took over Seville. Uh, and so the priests took the that statue of Our Lady that was believed to be carved by St. Luke, and they went and buried it in the mountains in 712. So it was known to have been a lost statue and it was right. the, the the peasant that you referred to who is an actual original cowboy before cowboys were cowboys <laughs> right and that was that was by the watermark the river of guadalupe the actual guadalupe year yeah it, so so that 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 geographic reference would not have been lost on the bishop either when the name of our lady is uh, is uttered to him by the uncle who says mm-hmm. this is her name, he, a Spanish-speaking bishop from Spain, would have known that sh- she's making a reference to a 
waterway that exists in his mother country, Spain. Right. Mm-hmm. It's almost like she. I. It's almost as if she is saying, "I have come to the new world to protect and bless your mission." Mm-hmm. So beautiful. No, it is. It's it's real confirmation. There is so many connections to why this is so important to the to the mm-hmm. Spanish. The um, and 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 just a side note on just calling this out. There's an interesting double entendre between Guadalupe and the Aztec word Cotalu, which means one who steps on snakes. Really? I'm, I'm wow. So when it was said, like, he heard it one way, and the mm-hmm. bishop hears it another way, it, and these two completely different cultures mm-hmm. merge. Wow. Wow, and they both understand it in their in their own way, it's very differently. Mm-hmm. But at the at, yet, it's one and the same in Jeez. Our Lady. And this would have been really big news as well because it had it had hardly been a hundred years before this Madonna, which had been lost for basically the entire Reconquista of Spain for mm-hmm. seven hundred years for the Moorish occupation. It wasn't until Spain was united and um, and and truly a Catholic nation under one crown that it was found mm-hmm. and it would have been huge news at the time right i mean it would have been basically breaking news i mean in in church mm. history back then 100 news 100 years that's like breaking news right, <laughs> right. i mean it takes like 5 years for for word to travel around the world anyway right so it's right. like I mean, it's the, pretty recent knowledge. I mean, right. they, they built one of the the biggest monasteries, Benedictine monasteries, right there. I mean, usually when when they find a miraculous image or a lady appears, they build a church and then maybe it becomes a basilica. They don't build an actual monastery around it to have hundreds, because in those in those days you had monasteries with hundreds of of monks venerating the the image. Of Our Lady of Guadalupe, yeah, praying, praying office. for Spain, praying for mm-hmm. for everybody in Spain. I mean, like you say, like in chart in, in France, there's the Grand Chartreuse, and this was the equivalent in Spain, the the Grand Monastery of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Right. I mean, just the Spaniards know who she is already. They do. We made a reference to the Spanish uh, devotion to Our Lady when we did the show about. December 8th. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, And we actually made a reference to it. So the roses, I just want to touch on the roses. They grow in Castile. We made the point during the Immaculate Conception show that Castile really was the unifying force for all of Spain. Mm -hmm. You um, You look at some of the holy monarchs that ruled over Castile, and they are the ones who unified yeah, the Iberian Peninsula. Isabella the Catholic is Casti- the, que- the queen of Castile, and for some time, some of those monarchs were called the king or queen of Castile and the king or queen of Spain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There were two separate titles. So the 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 roses that are unique to Castile, I think, uh, are it's just another detail that said that speaks to this comes from the heart of Catholic. Spain. Mm-hmm. Yep. By the Absolutely. way, if just to you know recap actually of the entire story, I I cannot help but be so edified about Juan Diego. Okay, who is now kind of a canonized saint. Mm-hmm. But if if we reflect upon it, 
the number of Aztecs who actually converted in those days was was probably virtually nothing. Okay, clearly him and his family had converted. On the vigil of Our Lady's feast day, he goes to church, probably having to walk multiple miles in honor of her. She appears. She gives him a command. Boom! He goes to the bishop, waits for. As probably spends his, ha- you know, half a day or a full day just waiting there, right? Doesn't get believed. He perseveres. A lady, you know, does the miracle. He goes up up to the hill, blind, you know, blind obedience. She tells him, "Don't open it. Don't open it, and don't show anyone." He does it, even though people push and 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 persist. Like, what the heck do you have? They probably, you know, they probably were kind of despising him, mm-hmm. right? And then, I mean, and then ultimately, out of charity. You know, because he values the sacrament so much, he actually decides to almost snub a lady because, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, the faith he would have had in, mm-hmm, in mm. the sacraments would have been so tremendous. Mm-hmm. I don't Beautiful. think it was clear to him that he knew it was Our Lady, though. I mean, you know, it was at, at, from his point of view, it was a lady that was mm-hmm. appearing to him, and right. probably he wasn't very properly catechized. But that is an interesting point you bring up, Martin, because it can be easy to get discouraged today as it seems like the number of faithful Catholics, believing Catholics, is diminishing mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. You've seen the polls. The polls say that three out of four Catholics or four out of five Catholics don't even believe in the real presence of the Eucharist. But Our Lady could, to your point, Martin, take this remnant of people who really believe what we believe mm-hmm. and use them because this was only not even a generation after Martin Luther had brought five million souls out of the church in Central Europe. Stole them. And damned them to hell. Mm-hmm. So her response is to bring eight million souls in. Right, so I she mean, converted eight million Aztecs in ten years' time. Eight million. I mean, that's <laughs> just... That, that hasn't been seen before. Can't even keep, yeah, keep I mean, but, and, and 500 years ago, 8 million people was a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, today, that's like the city of Houston. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, but if, if, you, if you think about it, I mean, look, you often hear skeptics say, like, well, you know, there's no miracles today, this and that. A lady doesn't appear to anyone. But you know what? This whole mankind has become so corrupt in the sense, like, we've become so skeptical. She doesn't appear to people who are naturally disposed to to criticize and and criticize her and ask her like, well, who are you? What do you do? You know, no. The, she chooses humble souls yeah. to just take her, and they don't even they don't even put a label on it. They just mm-hmm. say like, hey, a lady appeared to me and she asked me to come and tell you. That's it. Yeah, simple people. You don't That's know right. me. You don't know her. I don't know who you are. I'm randomly just telling you. Right. I was told to do this. Now it, it's 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 amazing. And then, like you mentioned, Christopher Columbus, before the apparition even mm-hmm. happens, we're talking forty years mm-hmm. before this. The, the the and he and he's Italian, mm-hmm. right? Now now the Italians get a lot of devotion also from the the Spanish. There's a very close knit relationship between the Italians and the Spanish. So Christopher Columbus, being uh, Italian by birth. Mm-hmm. Even though he's he's taking you know Spain's resources to actually go find the new world, right? He takes he 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 lands on another island, not the first island, but one of the islands that he stops at, and he names it after Our Lady of Guadalupe. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he gets a bad rap, by the way. I know you want to keep moving, but 
we're about to abolish Christopher Columbus Day in the United States yeah. of America. We're toppling indigenous peoples, right? We're toppling his statues. We want to get rid of this guy. First of all, none of us would be here but for him. Okay, that's just a historical reality. Mm-hmm. And yep. he didn't conquer in the name of Spain and in the name of gold and in the name of resources. He conquered in the name of God. Right. Yes. And it should just just two seconds here. There is a manifest difference, and I know we've made this point in other shows, but there is a difference in the way that the Spanish came to the New World versus the way that the Anglos came to the New World. When the Anglos came, it was seize, destroy, kill, pillage, mm-hmm. uh, and and conduct war against the indigenous. <sighs> they, they had they sat down and ate turkey with the Indians. What are you oh, talking I know, about, I man? Know. I love that. Actually, the first <laughs> the first Thanksgiving was Spanish. The second Thanksgiving was Spanish. It wasn't until we get to the third Thanksgiving, so-called, on this continent that, yeah, they were they were eating turkey because they were starving. But as soon as they got their strength back, they conducted warfare against the uh, mm-hmm. indigenous. But the Spaniards came here to save souls. Mm-hmm. They came here to convert. They came here to bring people into the Catholic Church. Uh, yes. St. Junipero Serra, who, who came up from Mexico through Texas... New, uh, New Mexico. New Mexico. New Mexico. No, not Texas, no. Yeah, not, New, Texas, no. New Mexico. Um, and you know, uh, uh, Arizona yep. and, Cal- and went all the way up the coast of Arizona. All those missions that are up, yep. uh, he, he, he built what most of them. Yeah, and those missions are awesome. Yeah, and he dedicated. He started out at Veracruz. He walked 24 days from Veracruz to Mexico City. And in Mexico City, at her shrine... Of Our Lady of Guadalupe, he dedicated all of his work that he was about to do to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Imperialist, successful, pig. yes. Imperialist, yes. Well, one thing that we, the times have changed so much. I mean, to think. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, we're, swag. we're showing swag. It's not. Th- this is a holy medal uh, that I wear. That my mother gave. It's to a big. Me. It looks like a dog so, tag. A very long time ago. It's big. When I was 12, and it is of a uh, saint now, Unipetrosera. That is that That's is beautiful. that is here. You, you've been on the Father Sarah train since before he was a saint. Well, yes, exactly. So before for, he was a before so he was for a those saint. Who, for those who do not know the saint, so he was a Franciscan saint who started many missions on the west coast of of the United States. Mm-hmm. Right about I think what, around twenty twenty five or thousands and thousands of converts mm-hmm. baptized Indians all the way from New Mexico. Arizona, all the way up to California. Yeah, he made it. He made it. I think past the Bay Area. I mean, yeah. he went all the way mm-hmm. up. Yeah. No, he was an overachiever for Our Lady of Guadalupe. His his motto was always go forward and never turn back. It's written on the back of the medal. If you have not subscribed to us on YouTube, and if you are just listening to the podcast, you will not have seen Joe dramatically <laughs> open his shirt. Pull out his medals. I am Antonio Benedetti. Did you just did you just rent your garments I here? Rent my garments. <laughs> Sounds to me like the Pharisees, but okay. <laughs> and, I've also been called that. And, and, sh- <laughs> and show us his dog tag sized medal <laughs> of Saint Uniparacero. Okay, all okay. right, that so, was cool. I didn't even I didn't even think about that before I started the show until I said Uniparacero. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Sorry, you're still shaking. Okay. Yes, no. I'm still shaking. Just to briefly go back to the fact that, um, you know, Christopher Columbus, passionate about Our Lady, passionate about converting souls. By the way, he named, you know, his ship the Santa Maria, Mm -hmm. right? So named an island after Our Lady. I mean, 
the people in those centuries were so much on on fire to to bring souls to God is admirable. There's one anecdote actually related to that Spanish fervor, mission fervor about King Philip II. So the Spanish had the Philippines as you know part of their colonial empire, and the um, the ministers or whatever you would call it went to King Philip II and said, well, there is just nothing in the Philippines of commercial value um, that, you know, we should probably move on and start settling elsewhere. And King Philip II asked, do we have missionaries and churches there? And they said, yes, we do. And he said, we stay because we're going to convert to souls. And until, I mean, so the Philippines, named after King Philip II, is the great Catholic nation that is today, Thanks to the Spanish zeal for for souls, that's amazing. Th- this is what makes me so mad, Mike. Oh, hold on. Oh boy. Oh boy. We're the, knocking on what the, the, the black the legend side. of the Spanish. The, of course, the wasps want to damn the the Spaniards. They do. They they because we're the good guys. The wasps are the good guys. No, you the bad guys. Well, this you're is, the people who are against Christ and Our Lady. The Spanish brought Christ and Our Lady to to the Americas. I honestly believe that this is part of a Freemasonic uh, propaganda machine. Yes, to destroy and impugn the character of the Spanish Catholics. Because Absolutely. at that time, at that time in our history, in the in the ninth in the eighteenth uh, century. In the 18th century, when Freemasonry was founded in 1717. By the way, everything happens in 17s, right? 1617, <laughs> 1717, you have Freemasons. Yeah. 1917, you have Our Lady of Fatima. I mean, yeah. every, okay, 17. There's a lot going on. Okay, 2017, I don't know what happened there. But the point is... 100 years. <laughs> yeah, the point is, is that anybody who was Catholic was either French or brown, Right, they were, and they and they were pests. Mm-hmm. They were pests. Yep. And many of the Catholics in North America were converted natives, mm-hmm. and so they were especially. I mean, you want to talk about racism? How about systematic extermination of those pesky Catholics? Mm-hmm. You can even see this in write in written letter form. You want to talk about the Monroe Doctrine? The Monroe Doctrine, President Monroe, I think he's the fifth or sixth president of the United States, he writes a letter to his predecessor, Jefferson, and he says, hey, I'm not sure how to deal with the with this situation in Florida. At the time, Florida is owned by Spain. Mm-hmm. It's Catholic. It's mm-hmm. solidly Catholic. Mm-hmm. And the, the state of Florida extends all the way. It includes Mobile, Alabama. It goes all the way to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Okay, so there's a huge Catholic portion of North America and you've got this, these, these Freemasonic manifest destiny, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. And what is Jefferson's reply to Madison? He says, you know what? Not only should you, de- should, should you deter the Holy League from taking any action in South America by declaring it all American protectorate, mm. but while you're at it, incite war in Florida so that you can seize it and see if you can pick up Cuba while you're at it. See if you can get those Catholics out of Cuba. These are our founding fathers, people. Mm-hmm. You think about our founding fathers. I love this country. I swore an oath to protect the Constitution of this United States, of these United States. But when you think about it, there has never been religious liberty in, this, in no. these United States. It has always been an anti-Catholic 
government under which we reside and we continue to reside. We did a show on it. We, we did, did a show on this, on religious liberty specifically. And there's a lot more goodness in there along the lines of what you're talking about. Well, Sorry for the tangent. No, 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 let's, no. Let's go back to okay. Guadalupe. All right. So, so yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but okay. So, so, so just, just following along the Spanish connection, there's another Spanish connection to Guadalupe, which was the conqueror of Mexico, mm-hmm. Hernan Cortez. Where is he from? He is from the, the area, from... You know, from the area where a lady of Guadalupe was venerated. From Extremadura. You're He's hitting from me. there. He's from there. Wow. That's where he is from. You he knows where a lady of Guadalupe is. You can't make is. this up. Come on. You cannot make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. But the crown of it all. Here it is. Remember I told you before the show that Martin found something? Martin found something. Okay, if we want to have Ruffle now would be the time to give it. But okay, here we go. You go. Oh, well, it's it's very interesting, especially, look, with the whole Amazon Senate that's been happening recently, etc. So, after... You're going down, Pachamama. I so wish we had sound effects on this You're show. You're going we down, could, like, Pachamama. We could, like, have Splashes. the sound effect of somebody just <laughs> vomiting anytime someone says Amazon Senate. What does wood sound like when it hits water? <laughs> Dunk. <laughs> so, so, what is very interesting is that specific hill, I forgot the name. Tepeyac. Tepeyac, Okay. It's on, written on the piece of paper in front of you. Yes, I know. I know. Read I'm the sorry. paper. It's and, it's not in it's not in Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so on in on that hill in that area used to be the temple, I guess the national temple dedicated to the Mother Goddess, the Mother mo- the Earth, Mother Earth. Actually, Tonatzin. Right Tonatzin is her name. We knew that. That's not new. We said that. Mother in our Earth. Show. Okay. Yeah. We what? Did. We well, did. Oh. We said that in our Lady of Guadalupe show. Okay. Well, okay. Well, whatever whatever that. it is, I mean, that's... <laughs> I just threw a wet blanket on yeah. the fire. But, but that is interesting. So, I mean, just think of it from another perspective here, okay? Everybody would have known that, that place, right? And they would have only associated it with this false pagan goddess. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. No, it's and, like, our, it's literally Our Lady stepping on the snake. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, imagine that we say Mecca, the first thing you think of is is the Muslims, right? But imagine a lady, imagine, for example, that a lady who appears in Mecca, you will be like, what the heck? Like, wow, this is this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. And by the way, there's some, there's a couple, mm. there's, there's some irony here as well. It's, the historians describe this specific area as desolates, meaning the, only, the only thing that can grow there is thistles, cacti, and let's name it after you yeah. know the the goddess of of earth like yeah what 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 a uh, what a fruitful bosom you've got there <laughs> yes right in this desolate hill but this is so relevant right now right yeah it is. we have the Pachamama statues and whatnot the Spaniards destroyed that temple Our Lady destroyed it no they, the, the Spanish I destroyed mean, it after the, the, oh yeah there was right, a right, temple right, there yeah. and they the Spanish destroyed it. destroyed it yeah and people want to talk about stealing and destruction of property okay so that's an interesting sort of point stuff. man that's like, an interesting point people mm. are talking about this guy Alexander and they're like oh you oh you should thou shall not steal and all this stuff and people want to get all moralistic about it it's a pagan idol mm-hmm. yes it's a pagan it idol yeah. are you kidding me right. The Spanish didn't think twice about destroying a temple. That's right. The whole thing raised it to the ground. By the way, there's a very there's another touch of irony here, is that 
a lady. I don't know. She has a funny sense of humor. She appears in Fatima, and of all places she could be appearing at, she appears in a place named after the daughter of Mohammed. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, she, it's not the first time, and it won't be the last. She's a jealous woman. <laughs> she clearly is. She, she is zealous and jealous. For zealous souls. and jealous. Zealous and jealous. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about the, the, the image itself. Well, we, Before there, we get yes. there. Okay. You, you got this. Well, before we get there, well, I, I just want to make a point, and I think you can land the plane on this with the Spaniards. But here's my, here's my observation, okay? We both have Spanish blood in our body. I'm um, sorry to hear that. Can't you tell? Can't you tell? Um, I married a 100% Spanish woman. Okay, she's like half Aztec, half Mexican. A multicultural yeah. marriage, yes. These, I, I have, I have seen and witnessed and been in touch with images of Our Lady of Guadalupe by virtue of my extended family, my in-laws, and the exposure to that. And what I want to say in a very sensitive way, is that I think a lot of white Catholics do not understand Our Lady of Guadalupe, no, and they not. almost there's almost an underlying current of racism and skepticism yep. mm. because they associate again. But you you go back to the Americanist heresy, and you know you you, you know you've got you got like you know the American Catholic Church, which is you know maybe not totally Catholic and maybe more Republican and American than Catholic, and you got all these people who just who look at the image and just associate it with those people, mm-hmm. those people. Yeah, that's the, she's not for us; she's for them. She's mm-hmm. for them. Right. Yep, and that's absurd. It, yep. it it is absurd. It is absurd, and I hope that this show is the antidote to that. And I hope that the end result of this show, which if you persevere to the end, you will be totally convinced. But the end result should be that everybody should have a framed image of Our Lady of Guadalupe in your homes. She has not just pitted herself against the Muslims; she has pitted herself against the heretics, and in and, and in very fine form yes she, and we've talked about this on multiple occasions but in very fine form did our lady of guadalupe very specifically very clearly pit herself against the protestants the protestant heresies of luther and every and calvin and all them that came that came after that the 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 wasp east coast versus the south of uh, the, the the south of the americas mm. she took it all and she got a lot more people than what what they got. Well, we can say whatever we want, but ultimately, Mexico is still Catholic until today. Yes, and the the conversions that she has worked of the Aztecs are there until until now. Yep, that and is absolutely true. That is amazing. So the color, even the very color that she's wearing, as we transition into yes. talking about the tilma, we talked about this color. I'm bringing it up right now just so you can see it. The color that she is wearing is, oh, it's identical to the color that you will see in certain churches around the world. Which churches, though? Not American churches, but Spanish churches. Spanish mm-hmm. churches. We talked about this for our Immaculate Conception show. Look at this color. Eight seconds there. You got eight seconds on the screen. And if you eight are seconds. not watching us on YouTube, you should be so you can see the cerulean blue. Cerulean. Cerulean. They've been a derivative this. of the root word in Latin, which refers to heaven. Mm-hmm. Heaven. It is the Heavenly color of blue. the skies. The heavens, cerulean blue. This particular blue is, look at it. Oh, there it is. It's on her tilma. 
It is on her tilma. And the Spanish are the people who not only advocated for the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception, as you saw in our show, and if you didn't see it, you need to go back and watch it. But it's the Spanish who are the biggest advocates for it, and therefore they alone enjoy the privilege of Cerulean Blue. Cerulean there Blue. it is. Mm-hmm. It, it was amazing. Nobody has even spoken about that that we have seen in our research before when we started doing this initially. But we literally compared the colors, and you're like, that's, um, that's the same wow. blue. Yeah, that's the same blue. So another confirmation of Our Lady of the Spanish Conquest. The last anecdote that I have to say about the Spanish is at the Battle of Lepanto in 1571, not a Spaniard, again, an Italian, is an Italian, Giovanni Andrea, the Genoese admiral, at the Battle of Lepanto, had literally brought a copy of the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe that was touched to the original in Mexico, Ooh. and he got it, and he took it on the way to the Battle of uh, Lepanto, where they made the decisive victory against the Muslims, and it comes full circle. She goes underground, is buried in the ground in Spain in, in the 700s, yeah. and she comes back in a fury yeah. and wipes them off the map. Well, so maybe some historical context for those who are not familiar with the Battle of Lepanto, right? Ultimately, it was one of the most significant naval battles ever, and the Christians were in, you know, in a total minority, mm-hmm. fighting against, almost against hope, and through the Rosary and through to various things, they won the battle, and it's it was actually a turning point because the Muslims until then had been attacking Italy and so on and there was mm. a great fear of a potential invasion. Yes. And they had yeah. a, they had an absolute crushing victory. It was something like 3 to 1 in terms of pure manpower. Uh, I think the ships ratio was a little bit different. We did an entire podcast about the Battle of Lepanto. You can see that on our YouTube channel, Restoring the Faith Media on YouTube. Click subscribe, hit the bell for more updates. Okay guys, we can finally talk about the Tilma. Can we get to the Tilma? <laughs> Do you want to start, Martin? No, please. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'll take the mic was, again. I think that was an empty offer. I think <laughs> no, when you, I, I, I think when it. you asked Martin, do, do you want to start? I don't think you meant it at all. <laughs> no, I, 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 you know what? I actually really enjoy listening to Joseph. I mean, is, <laughs> no, but I'm serious. He is so much on fire. I mean, look, maybe the only thing I would throw out there is actually you were talking about the Tilma and the color. So from what I read in the past, apparently this particular color was associated with, was a royal color that the, only the Aztec kind of kings and princes, etc., were allowed to wear, and it was also used for gods and goddesses. Yeah, so the wow. fact that a lady wears this, right, yep, yep, is clearly yep. manifesting to the outside world, um, royal. She was meant to go there. Mm-hmm. They The, the Aztecs were waiting for Quetzalcoatl, it was, the it, sun god, to come to them. It was ordained by God for the whole time. It's just like what you said, Joe, about the intersection of two cultures where you have Guadalupe having a very distinct meaning to the mm-hmm. Spanish and Guadalupe having a very distinct meaning, one who steps on snakes to the Aztecs. Mm-hmm. Now she's wearing this color, this color of blue, which we have always associated the color blue with Our Lady. And it, because it is a color of heaven. Right. It is mm-hmm. the color of the heavens. Mm-hmm. And she comes and she's wearing this particular color, which not only signifies heaven, but it signifies Aztec royalty. Mm-hmm. That cannot be by 
accident. She wanted this marriage to happen. I'm going to I'm going to flip down to just a little bit further down, but there's a very interesting aspect. There are several several amazing things about the actual physical image itself. All right. Top but I'm, five. I'm I'm, I'm going to go Number one. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to skip a few just to start with that point which she wanted this marriage of the Indians the, the Aztecs with the Spanish. She wanted this so badly that she, in her own image, there is a, an investigation done uh, about Our Lady's skin on the image. From, it looks different close up than far away. Uh-huh. When you're close, the, it, uh, there, it's, iridesc- it's an iridescent film almost that is, sits on top of this uh, of this tilma, so like a blue jay, right? Blue jays aren't really blue; they're actually brown when you like pick it up, or you get a beetle, uh, whatnot. When you get up close to it, yeah, you, right. it looks different, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's an iridescent quality to it. Doctor Philip Callahan explains that the image uh, makes it look like she from uh, from one distance she looks like an Aztec, and from another distance she looks like a European. She looks completely different from close up and far away. She's both at the same She's time. She's both at the same time. She is marrying these two people. Uh, Dr. Philip Callahan explains that the image achieves this effect by appearing to different colors at different distances by a trait that's only seen in nature. At a distance of six to seven feet, the skin tone becomes what might be, be best termed as Indian olive or gray-green gray, in tone. Uh, it appears somehow gray and caked, looking through white pigment of the face, and the hands combine with the rough surface of the unsized hue. We have not said right. this yet, but this is like her, her being Our Lady, mm. giving her consent to what is happening in the New World. Yes. To the Spanish coming to the New World to conquer it in the name of God, to to convert souls, and to bring everyone into the Catholic faith. This is one sign that she gives us, that she consents and underwrites this expedition. And, and, and you know, consents, but she planned it. She planned it. From the, to- from the time that this image is, is created by St. Luke, mm. this was ordained. Yeah. This was this was gonna always happen. Yeah, and she converted the the, Spa- the Spanish in Spain under Saint James, um, mm-hmm. the Moor Slayer, uh, who the Cross of Santiago, who is odd part of our logo, right? And there there are several apparitions. One of them is that that he has with her, another apparition of Our Lady in Spain, but. This other statue of Our Lady of Guadalupe, she, which is another Black Madonna, which is the, mm-hmm. s- the second of the Black Madonnas, um, Nuestra Señora del Pilar, she converted the Spanish so that they would convert these people at the right time when she deigned that it would happen. This is this is this is her part of her plan. So another interesting point about the tilma is is that like we said, it's made out of cactus fiber, so it's extremely rough material, very rough texture. The image, however, it can changes completely when you touch the fabric. It's this rough mm-hmm. stuff. You touch the image and it becomes silk, silky wow. smooth. I mean, the fact silky that it's smooth. still preserved after all these years is, is yes. A in there have itself. been several things that happened there. Uh, you you found some of these references. That's right. I mean, I I by the way was talking about the skin before and the, and the texture. Apparently, they have measured the temperature 
of the skin of a lady in the image, and it is always 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit, mm -hmm. which is the, the temperature of a human body. Yes. There's no image anywhere in the world that actually has that temperature. Yeah. That does, doesn't happen. You have to have blood pumping through to keep right. it at that, at that exactly. temperature. You have like a so substance. I mean, literally, like if you would, if you would put, put like, for example, an ice, well, I guess an ice cube would be a bad comparison, but you would literally, if your hands are cold, your hands would warm if you touch the image. It's just incredible. Mm -hmm. Just incredible. There are, there are other humanistic uh, elements of it. Um, the, the eyes, the eyes, there's something very interesting about the eyes. Right. Um, the, uh, there was a Peruvian. Well, there's two, there's very two things about the eyes. There was uh, a Japanese optician in the 1970s who, after examining the eyes, fainted. Upon recovering, he stated while he was looking under the microscope that the eyes were alive and looking at him. No mm -hmm. way. When, when there is light, when they're doing these various studies, her pupils expand and contract no with way. the light. They literally, literally move. When the light is taken away, then they, they dilate. Just, I'm sorry. What? That's, yeah. I, I, I just don't even know. They, they even did a, um, a study, or they, they were looking closely at the eyes again. They actually see these microscopic veins mm. in the image. Really? But most impressively, if that's not impressive enough, there they they did a uh, another guy was looking at them under a microscope, at twenty five hundred zoom, and he saw thirteen reflections of people in her eyes. Thirteen, and, and those images are online. To yeah, be found. So yeah, we have one like here. Some, someone, it's not like someone just isn't making that up. I mean, right. What, no. what else can it be? It you you see clear. Juan Diego, what presumably Juan Diego, mm. in the forefront, mm -hmm. the expression that he had when he saw Our Lady for the first time. Just wow. like uh, fascinating. You can see the wonder in his eyes. <laughs> That's how incredible it is. So for those who are listening right now and not watching on YouTube, now would be a good time to watch on YouTube. You, we are pulling up an image of the eyes of Our Lady of Guadalupe, and in her eyes you can see very clearly human forms who are looking back at her. This is a detail that most people, 99 out of 100, do not know about Our Lady of Guadalupe. That's a truth. That's a truth. The, and, and what you said, again, that the fact that, our, that the tilma does not fade... It's fascinating, right? They they actually there was a famous painter who went to Mexico to paint a copy, and that copy hung next to the tilma in the same church. And after eight years, it it looked beautiful at first, and after eight years, it already because of the humidity and the heat in in Mexico just deteriorated. Right, it and the tilma looked the same. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you you made a you made a very uh humorous point about uh the fact that it's all um encased in glass and all this sort of stuff. There's a reason for it, but it is kind of you kinda of look at it and you say, All right, well it didn't deteriorate for all that time. Right, right. So I mean you might not notice, Mike, but uh right now the image is behind bulletproof glass. 
um, which is kind of ironic because they had a bomb in, what is it, 1921. Some um, anti-clericalists put a bomb under some flowers. It explodes. Everything is damaged. There's a there's a brass crucifix that got bent through the explosion. Everything is shattered, but this, but the image of Our Lady is perfectly intact. Mm. And then the lack of faith by the Catholics. Oh, let's put bulletproof glass to protect it. I don't think you need to protect it. This is this reminds me of Our Lady of Good Counsel. The church got bombarded during the Second World War. Everything is shattered, and then the image of Our Lady of Good Counsel is still suspended in the air. Nothing has happened to it. We don't need to protect Our Lady's things. And I think the only reason why 100 years after the apparition, the church did put glass there, I mean, in those days it wasn't bulletproof glass, is because, well, let's face it, Catholics are fervent relic collectors. Yep, 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 yep. Cut Just a little out snip, snip. Cut Our Lady's right. loop it into 100 pieces. You know, I, I, think, I think you're right. We don't need the bulletproof glass we also don't need the escalator to go and see our lady of guadalupe how awful is that and there she goes and okay (laughs) all right i feel like i'm in the denver airport hold on you need to explain what i I, because yeah when you go to see it you apparently you you stand you know like have you been to one of these airports where like if, if you're too lazy to walk from terminal b to terminal c they like help you walk it's like one of these moving walkways oh, yeah. I love yeah. Those things. Yeah, yeah yeah well they have that they oh, have really? that in front of Our Lady of Guadalupe. That's so absurd. You can yeah. just kind of look at her, and you're gone. Into into the gift shop we go. Here we go. Yeah. Right. Buy a lot. That hey, we absurd. got keychains. Uh, wow. Okay. So, so let's what about see. the stars? There's something special about yes, the stars. Yes, there's something right? special about the stars. Go ahead. Well, I think from from what I recall, they have studied the the position of the stars. And they match exactly the constellation that the stars would have had on the 12th of December of 1531. Wow. I mean, like... Like just how they're arranged on the... Tim- exactly. On the, on exactly. Her- wow. By the way, there's obviously skeptics who claim that all this is some kind of invention and this a Lady of Guadalupe has not appeared. But you tell me how they... Whatever artist this would have been, how they pull this off, Right. The image has mm. has a human temperature. Her eyes dilate. You know, the stars on her mantle match that constellation. Who does that? I mean, that's similar. Uh, by the way, that is similar to what some people have done with the Star of Bethlehem, and mm. um, and figuring out that yes, it was in fact the twenty fifth of December, the year zero, in which the star was seen mm. above Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's we you, do a show on that. There are lots of things to be said about that. There are lots of yeah. things to be said about that, but there, but but you can use computer models to regress astronomical data. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is like objectively verifiable stuff, sort of like hey, just taking the temperature right of right, the image. Exactly. I mean, there's there's some like qualitative stuff in here too. I mean, you guys made some notes in here again in this outline which was handed to me as we sat down because I had no part in planning this show <laughs> other than to suggest that we do it uh which was which was key which was <laughs> that i mean like it's not a painted image right like, no like there's lo- no brush strokes what's what's going on? like this image just appears that's right there mm-hmm. on this fabric and mm-hmm. it's like a it's like a rough cactus fabric you can't paint on that you know, there there are some famous people who have asked 
Actually, about it. That's right. That's right. So Hillary Clinton went over to to the shrine and visited it oh, many my many gosh. years ago. I do remember this actually. Yes, I'm a political asked, file. So she asked she asked them like who painted it. Yeah, and they were astonished, and they said. God. <laughs> so, because I mean, you know, for those for look for those who who are not aware, okay, the image was was just uh, just appeared. It was a miraculous apparition yeah. of that imprint, yeah. and they, you know, scientists have studied it, and they have not been they were they have not found a sketch on on the original piece tilma. on the tilma, and also it's just like you know normally if you paint, there's brush. Strokes, there's all kinds of things that indicated a human has done this. Yeah. And that's been completely absent. And I, that will remind a lot of our listeners and viewers about the Holy Shroud. It's the same characteristic mm-hmm. with the Holy Shroud. Right. That image is not painted. And it's it's almost like it's x-rayed or burned on there because it's only one fiber, like one fiber thin, the image of the Holy Shroud. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's clearly not replicatable by human hands same with this mm-hmm. yep no it's, it's truly incredible but in closing huh or as the last section as it were yes. you said something that really shocked me and i didn't really think about it before but you said that this is truly the greatest miracle to date that our lady has ever worked that's correct why do you say that? Look, this is a shocking statement, okay? Because we look, it's it's maybe related to what Mike said before. We associated it with like Mexico and this and that, and we don't think in terms of the Catholic supernatural Universe. side of things. Mm-hmm. Look, there's there's multiple miracles that that God or Our Lady can perform, okay? One of them is actually uplifting the natural elements and to taking them out of their physical laws and making it happen. For example, let's say Our Lady know, of Fatima, Our Lady the of Fatima, dance. right? The I sun mean, dance, astronomical well, that's, event. Exactly. That's a that's using the natural element, the elements of nature, to do something extraordinary. Or even, for example, someone has died and that person is brought back to life. Mm-hmm. Right. The bigger miracle is actually souls touching souls, and in this case, a lady converted eight million people, eight million Aztecs in a completely pagan country within 10 years, okay? And so here's my angle. A, this has never, ever happened in the history of the Catholic Church that a miracle of Our Lady has done this to such an extent. Secondly, I want because I have a, a very great devotion to Our Lady of Fatima, my thesis is that what Our Lady showed in 1917, the miracle of the sun, mm. is a foretaste of what is to come, okay? A lady has promised the greatest miracle ever, right? And that will come once the Holy Father finally con- uh, consecrates Russia to the Immaculate Heart, okay? But what we have seen done by a Lady of Guadalupe will happen through a Lady of Fatima, but to a much, much bigger extent. And by the way, and if we just analyze even just the miraculous aspect of a lady, look, there are... For example, the you know there are several paintings that that come from the original painting that Saint Luke made of Our Lady. For example, Our Lady Pe- uh, Perpetual Help, Our Lady of Chestahova, etc. All those images are extremely miraculous, but they tend to be miraculous 
because people, um, you know, put petitions forward, pray to Our Lady for a specific intention, and then it happens. And maybe it is the conversion of someone, or, or it, it is to, to help out with something. But Our Lady didn't wait for petitions with this one. Mm. Our Lady just moved forward with full force, and boom, in 10 years, converted, converted an entire nation. 10 million people in those days was significant. Now we think of just a big city like New York City. No, no. An entire nation. By the way, a I, nation which, by the way, has continued to maintain the faith in spite right. of our best efforts. That's mm-hmm. right. So the thing is, like, look, uh, you know, for those who, who are on YouTube or whatever, challenge me. Leave comments behind and tell me why maybe this is not the greatest miracle. But if you agree with me and you believe that this is truly the greatest miracle that a lady has ever performed, well, then I think you need to start praying to her. And you need to do like that bishop did and fall on your knees at night prayers and ask Our Lady for help, for prayer, for mercy, for grace, everything possible. Wow. St. Luke the Evangelist carved a statue. The Evangelist, from the beginning of the church, he carved a statue, and it was venerated for centuries. It was underground during the Muslim conquest of Spain, and it resurfaced after the reconquest by the Catholics. This same name by which this statue was found, Our Lady of Guadalupe, is found in the New World. Our Lady gives her blessing to the New World. If you didn't know these details, subscribe to the channel. Living the Faith Podcast, brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. Restoringthefaith.com